Welcome, mamas. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. I know that everyone during their motherhood journey will have gone through the return to work or unfortunately been made redundant. Uh, actually, like a friend of mine told me last night that she was made redundant. And you're going to need to have a bit of a career reevaluation or review that resume. And so I'm very excited today to speak with Ashley Thomas, who is a career mentor with over eight years experience in recruitment across blue and white collar roles. She has a passion and enthusiasm for helping others navigate a journey to success. She's worked across corporate agency and private firms to create better outcome for both candidates and employers. Ashley created Next Stop Employment in January 2017 to better support mums find flexible work opportunities through a range of resume writing, career guidance and employment programs. Ashley is able to draw upon your skills mama, experience and achievements and create visually appealing documents that not only get noticed in the application process, but also enhance your brand. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, Karina. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, as I said at the start, a very front of mind for me at the moment because, uh, as I said, with COVID, we know that many people are going through experiences and maybe job losses. And actually, a very close friend of mine last night messaged to say that she'd unfortunately been made redundant. And mm. now it's that real career reevaluation and you know, going back to the resume at the moment. So I'm really looking forward to the chat uh, that we have yes. today. Awesome. No, I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. So outside of that little bio that I just gave, how would you best describe mm -hmm. yourself? Well, as a mum of two young boys, so I have an almost four-year-old and a six-month-old, um, juggling work and motherhood, I would definitely describe myself as being organised and proactive. Uh, I guess that comes with the job, but I'm also fairly sort of laid back, um, grounded, quite easy to get along with. And I would definitely consider myself being family orientated. So when I do get the chance, um, I do enjoy going on an adventure with my family, um, any chance that I get. Oh, sounds great. Yes. Definitely organized and proactive and definitely yeah. two, two <laughs> elements of working mamas, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So what's been your career pathways? As you said, you've had a number of years in recruitment and both corporate roles and things like that. So what's been your journey? Yeah. So it's actually, I was thinking about it yesterday. It was quite funny. I kind of landed in recruitment accidentally. I was 19 years old and I was in a sort of gap year from studying. I was studying law and it wasn't really something that I wanted to pursue so I thought that I would go out there and get a full-time role so I started applying for like trainee administrative roles didn't really know much about recruitment agencies the jobs that I was applying for was through an agency um, so I had to go there and obviously go through that whole lengthy recruitment process with them and I found out quickly that the job that I was um, there for had actually been I was unsuccessful for that job, but they had a vacancy within their recruitment firm. So I actually landed that job and I studied a Cert 3 in business admin and I basically fell in love with it straight away. So at nights I started, um, I started studying HR management and I quickly sort of 
progressed. Um, as, as you mentioned, I worked in um, government, I worked in internal HR teams, I worked in agencies. The last position before I went on mat leave in November 2016 was as a senior level recruitment consultant. So I was managing a branch, also both blue and white collar. So doing, you know, end to end recruitment. And I actually had every intention of returning back to my recruitment job. I absolutely loved it. But recruitment is known as being quite demanding where on call is the norm. And that just wasn't going to fit in with my situation as being a mum. I really crave that freedom and flexibility as we do. So I guess I sort of had to get creative. And I knew with my passion for helping, you know, candidates find job opportunities and, you know, my background in recruitment, I thought, why not create a resume writing business? Um, I feel like a huge barrier as well. Like when I would meet with candidates face to face, they would be able to sell their skills and experience. But when it came to them providing that piece of paper and that resume and that document, that was where it lacked. They weren't able to articulate that professionally. So I felt like there was sort of a hidden market there. So I created the resume writing business. So now I offer resume writing career guidance, interview coaching, and I've just started creating small employment programs. And I guess a lot of the people that are drawn to me are mums that are returning to work. This year, I also pivoted my business and created a division to help mums um, start their own home-based business as well. Wow, so here I am. Yes, that's, no, yes. that's, you've definitely got the experience and yeah, yeah. really finding those niches. Cause as you say, and I know even when I've gone for roles and, and friends and family, it's, you think you've put this resume together and you think, well, I'm well and truly qualified for this, but you get the knockbacks yeah. and you're like, how do I summarize myself on a piece of paper? So on that, and we know now after, even during COVID, um, as we know that there's a high unemployment rate and it is increasing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. how can we put together a resume and really ourselves to, to be that standout candidate for when hopefully those jobs come online? So as you mentioned, you know, the unemployment rate, I did a bit of research, I think it's sitting at around 7.5%. And to give you a bit of an insight, this time last year, it was 5.3%. So that sort of gives you an indicator of the position that we are in at the moment. And even pre-COVID, those part-time opportunities that mums probably were more inclined to apply for were already you know, the competition was there. So it's only increased. So it's more important than ever that you are creating a standout resume. And you're really wanting to think outside of the box and differentiate yourself from every other candidate. What I see a lot of is people solely utilising one platform. They're not following up with their applications. Um, You're really needing to broaden that job search. But with your resume you know you're wanting it to be aligned to current market standards so as an example a resume template that I put together a couple of years ago is completely different to what I do now so you really need to be on top of the market trends so that could be just as simple as connecting with recruitment and hiring managers having a resume writer review your review your resume I know that a lot of them do including myself which is free I offer a free review 
but you're really wanting it tailored to the position description. A lot of companies, especially government and larger organisations, use applicant tracking system software. So if you don't have those keywords from the PD, you're basically not going to get into the hands of the hiring manager. In terms of resume tips, I would definitely say creating a resume with a lot of white space so it can be easily read and short, sharp bullet points and also including achievements. So this is something that I would see a lot when I was reviewing resumes. You know, candidates were including basically a job description under their responsibilities. And if you are an administrator, unless you're in a specialised field, in, in which case, of course, you're wanting to include more of that information, but everybody knows what an administrator does what the employer is looking for is what you actually achieved and what you can bring to their organisation. So, you know, an example could be if you improved sales processes, if you implemented particular procedures that, you know, increased or enhanced business growth, you're really wanting them to be tangible and utilise the STAR uh, method, which is um, situation, task, action and result. So, you know, did you improve it by 20% or whatever the case is? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I don't even know from, I'm even thinking about my resume now, it is, yeah, very much maybe a little bit of a job description as opposed to yeah. you know, those achievements. And and even when you, when I have interviewed candidates in the past, you're like, okay, well, what have they done? How are they different? And really finding out who it is. How can you get your personality through in your resume? Or is that really you're hoping that your achievements are the first part and that you then get your personality during the interview? Well, you can, like, with a cover letter, so a cover letter, a question that often comes my way is, should I even include a uh, cover letter? Because, to be honest, some recruiters out there don't even view their cover letter. They're just like, you know, I'm receiving 300 applications, I don't have time, so I'm just going to go to the resume. But I'll definitely recommend, um, even if it's not even listed on the PD, to include the cover letter, because if your competition doesn't include one, you have, that obviously allows you to stand out in that way. But a great thing you can do in your cover letter is allow your personality to, to come through. And as well with your LinkedIn profile, you know, in that about me section, that's where you can go into detail more about yourself because I would definitely include a link to your URL for your LinkedIn. If you don't have a LinkedIn, definitely include it. Um, employers research you, especially if you're going to be a candidate that they're going to interview, they're probably going to Google you and LinkedIn is the number one search result that comes up. So you're wanting them to view that rather than your Facebook profile. That's very, definitely very interesting as well, Um, particularly around LinkedIn. And so should we keep active LinkedIn profiles? And I mean active, should we be connecting with everyone? Should we be posting semi-regularly on maybe a couple of topics that really is in our niche? So algorithms are a little bit different to Facebook. With, um, With LinkedIn, you're wanting to post as much as possible and you're wanting to interact with hiring managers um, and recruiters as well, not only are you going to gain that connection on another level, like just by viewing a recruiter's profile, you get more of an insight of who they are as a person. One, you visually see who they, what they look like. Two, you get more of an understanding of their experience and background. Perhaps you have a common interest. You're able to send a personalised message to them, follow up, 
engage in their content. And when you engage and post the algorithm, you know, they know that you're a real person. So they're probably going to get you seen more on the newsfeed as well. That's definitely good advice. And actually back to the resume, Mm -hmm. do you need to have a resume that is 10 pages long that goes through your whole history or is it best (laughs) to keep it short and sharp? Yeah, so I definitely recommend uh, a resume is basically a brief, you know, a brief background of your professional experience. So I don't tend to create a resume over three pages. I think two pages is more than enough. You're not wanting anything over sort of 10 or 15 year period. Uh, We like to think that employers don't discriminate. They're not supposed to, but just like everyone, we do have our unconscious biases and, you know, employers do unfortunately discriminate based on age maternal all of those things and do you include um like your hobbies and and everything like that like what are some things that you would include in a resume than what you want you wouldn't and how do you as well in a resume include mat leave do you include it or do you not well, I'll firstly go in what you should be including. So definitely your contact information, um, obviously, you know, your name, your contact number. With your address, it's not really aligned to current market standards anymore to include your full address. So you can either include Melbourne Vic or, you know, Kingscliff Vic. Again, you're not wanting the employer at times to discriminate based on location, uh, including your email address, including your URL to your LinkedIn so they can quickly hop over there. Look, some recruiters, sorry, some resume writers don't include a career profile. I do. If it is written really well, especially if you've had a career break, it's a great idea for you to include it because you can address it there. And you can also address, you know, achievements, skill set and things in there. You're also wanting to include like a short, sharp key competencies area as well as relevant education. Like at the end of the day, it's all about relevancy. So if you have, you know, a background in say um, engineering and you're going for an administration, your education in relation to engineering, unless it's for an engineering company, probably isn't seen as relevant. So you're wasting space because you're wanting to keep that resume to the two to three page limit. You're only wanting to include information that's relevant With your employment history, I would definitely recommend uh, adding in your parental leave. I have seen so many times where it's just not listed. And, you know, from a recruiter's perspective, if there's a three to four year gap, it just doesn't look good. And you don't want that recruiter to question. You want to make it so easy for them. So including that is important. Really briefly, parental leave or career break for a number of years you're wanting to include a couple of dot points for those transferable skills that you've enhanced throughout your parental leave, which is so important, as well as any uh, courses you've done, any upskilling or any volunteering as well. What you're not wanting to do is go into too much detail. You're not wanting the focus to be on that leave period. You're wanting your focus to be on your professional background. So just really briefly jot it down in there for sure. Oh, definitely very good. And it's one thing as well that I know that a lot of women will say, I don't have the skills of what's put in the, in the PD. Oh, look, I, I need to make sure I've got a hundred percent. And I think it's the famous yeah. quote that women think they need 80%, whereas men need 20% to then apply for that role. 
Yeah. What advice do you have for women with this thinking? See, I did actually see that research and unfortunately it didn't surprise me because many of my clients are mums that are returning to work and they lack that confidence. Um, And I think we as women think if we don't meet all the criteria that, you know, we're not going to do a good enough job or we're not even going to be, you know, we're not even going to be successful. So we're already overthinking and sabotaging the situation before we've even started. But I think what you need to know in the hiring process gone are the days where the recruiter is solely hiring based on skills and experience. These days, a lot of it is based around cultural fit. So if I had candidate A that had, you know, eight of the criteria we met in person and perhaps their personality wasn't the right fit, but I had candidate B that met six of the criteria and had an amazing personality that would fit in well with the culture, I'm more inclined to recruit candidate B because I know that I probably will be able to train them in those two other criteria that they didn't meet. So definitely applying applying for multiple positions, especially in the competitive job market that we are in at the moment. So it's really just about backing yourself, having your self-belief that you can do it. Absolutely. Um, And also then really, yeah. There's employers out there that are family friendly. You know, flexible working isn't the norm, but we have come a long way and it is continuously improving. And it is an area that I'm really passionate about. I obviously know it's an area that you're passionate about too, Karina. But it's about doing research about where these employers are actually advertising. So there's a load of companies such as Working Parents Connect, Flex Careers, Work 180, where they have, like, they're companies that solely um, support working parents and actually partner you with family-friendly employers. So just going on their website and seeing those logos of employers, you're going to know that they're going to be family-friendly. And actually, I think it's as well sometimes with going for a job, you need to sometimes interview them as much as they're interviewing you to know, is this a company that I want to work with? Do they have Mm -hmm. flexible work policies? Do they have good parental leave? Uh, Is that something that you've got coming up? Uh, Because I know a friend of mine, she worked, uh, she's transitioned into a new role. Um, The organisation is a big firm and turns out there's actually no parental leave requirements um, that you have to do your time, so to speak, that they're just like, look, we are trying to attract the best talent and we don't really mind. Uh, So it's really interesting that as much as at the moment we'll be thankful for the jobs that we get, I think it's as well important that we find the right employer that actually matches what our also personal and family values are about as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so great to see those employers that are stepping up and, you know, seeing the many benefits of flexible work gives and, and all of those things. It is really important to, you know, find a job that you enjoy. So if you're in sort of a position where you're wanting sort of clarity, you're not really sure about where you're wanting to go, I'll definitely be questioning, you know, what career prospects are available in the areas that you are interested in. So really figuring out what drives you, what your passions are. And I guess even having an outsider's perspective. So again, perhaps approaching a career coach um, to see, you know, what, what they would feel would be a good fit for you as well. 
And also just really looking at what your strengths and your passions are and, mm. and all that. I was actually chatting with um, some friends the other day and a good friend of mine said to me, she goes, when I come back from mat leave, I don't know if I want to go back into the same role. Because she goes, I've been in this industry and I've been in this role for yeah. pretty much her whole career. And she goes, I want to do a career change. But she goes, I don't know what else to do. And we're all going but you've got so many transferable skills, but she's still got to work that out for herself. Um, So she's got to go through that journey. And this isn't definitely the first person that I've heard say this. And I know that I've even gone, "Hmm, this is really what I do when I come back from that leap. So um, I had that on my first round. So what can women do when they go through that thinking and and to help them through a journey because it is a bit of a a personal evaluation of as what you were saying what is it that I'm enjoying what are my strengths yeah and then really thinking about those positions and those organizations and the next you know three five years time can be a little bit challenging in the life of COVID but it's really as well where you're trying to really pitch yourself where you're going and what around the career coaching part uh, advice and support do you have then for mums? So, yeah, a lot of the clients that come to me are basically on return to work from parental leave or they're in a position where, you know, they're not happy in their particular role. As you mentioned, perhaps they've been in the same industry for quite some time and they're just wanting a change. And I think there's a stat, I don't know, 100%, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's something like the average person changes careers five to seven times in their lifetime. So you're not married to, you know, this particular industry that you are in and it's more than okay for you to to move on from there. And after children, our priorities change. I mean, there's no way that I, you know, personally would have thought that I'd be in a position where I'd be helping mums find work or helping them start a business five or so years ago I thought that I would still be in a recruitment firm so definitely you know finding out what your passions are writing all of these things down so an exercise that I like to give to my clients is writing down all your skills so your soft skills which is more your key attributes so are you a good communicator have you got good attention to detail are you adaptable to change writing down your experience so more like administration, customer service, writing down your technical capabilities. So, you know, computerized systems or databases you've used, like visually looking at that because once you, because when you're on parental leave, you're probably like, oh, I have no value to give. I've been out of the workforce for quite some time. But when you actually look on a piece of paper and you're like, wow, I actually have so much to offer someone, like that exercise in itself can be you know a huge mindset um, mindset shift for a lot of women so doing that and then again um, you know if you're still really unsure getting that outsider's perspective from a career coach where you know we can really delve deep and allow you to sort of gain that confidence in returning to work figure out you know there's a lot of like personality traits a little lot of personality um what's the word I'm trying to say? A lot of personality, like frameworks that we use to really sort of get deep and figure out what it is that lights you up. Because, you know, we're going to be in work for the next 30 or 40 years. We might as well do something that we enjoy. Whilst we're in COVID times, you know, perhaps it's a little bit more difficult. 
to get that dream job. But what you can be doing is setting realistic and attainable goals. So you do have a stepping stone to get to that point where you want to be in the, that three to five year time period. Yeah, I agree that we, we spend so much time at work. Mm. We might as well do something that we love and that we enjoy yeah. because otherwise I know my experience personally, uh, probably about 10 years ago, I was doing a role in an industry that I just literally just fell into. And I then woke mm. up one day, I was doing my master's and I thought, how the heck have I ended up here? I was like, wow. <laughs> and so um, many people are in that position. <laughs> and I realized that, no, I do want to go back into the corporate world. This is really where my passions were. And even I had someone say to me, Karina, you don't really suit this. What are you doing here? And I was like, okay. Yeah. But also <laughs> I wasn't enjoying the role and by being unhappy, I was then hell to live with. Um, I had a lot of stresses yes. during my masters and things, but my mum would often say, find something else. You're just not that great to live with um, because yeah. I was how frustrated I was with my job. And as soon as I left that job, found another position and absolutely loved the company, thrived in it. And my life also then changed uh, from a personal perspective as well. So it was really interesting mm. that how much that you're – emotions can also be attached to something that you may not be enjoying. So I think absolutely do something that you're passionate about because also if you're a happy mum, happy wife, then everything else is going to then start flowing. On I was as well. about to say that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And how can women, if you've, as you were saying before, uh, they've taken a few years out, lost confidence and things like, as you said, find those skills, uh, because I was actually chatting with someone uh, a little while ago and she said, look, I've been out of the workforce for five years. And she was even really doubting if there's any role that she could possibly do. And I was saying, well, no, you've got all these new skills that you've learned as a mom. And also you've been yeah. on, you know, parents and friends committees and, you know, being a yeah. say, assistant treasurer at the kindergarten or something like that. How, what can we do and, and support these women that want to come back into the workforce but may have taken a period off uh, because they wanted to be there for their kids when they're younger, but also then allow them and support them to re-enter uh, into the workforce? And I know some industries have changed and adapted, but how can, what are some of those initial steps that they can do to really help overcome as well those resumes and the mental models of what resumes I'm sorry recruiters may have around those women I think it's important to do like preparation is key when you are returning to work and doing your research to find family friendly organizations so what you can be doing is writing down another exercise. I'm all about exercises is writing down employers that you would love to work for and then doing research. Um, you'll find a lot of information like on LinkedIn or on their website to find out, you know, their flexible work policies. If they, you know, support working parents, what sort of programs, a lot of employers have returned to work programs, especially for parents as well. And a lot of this can be found on their LinkedIn, like employers love to boast about that sort of stuff and on their website. So that's something that you can definitely be looking into. And whilst you are on parental leave, doing, you know, looking into doing refresher uh, Microsoft Office courses, if you're an administrator, I keep using that as an example. I've just completed an administration resume. If you 
you know, doing some volunteering work, perhaps at like the RSPCA in an administrative capacity, like those sort of things are going to stand out to an employer, uh, especially in a competitive job market that we're in at the moment. No, very, very good. And I know I should have asked this earlier, but something that pops into mind, because I actually did work once for an e-recruitment company. How can we get through those online resumes? Because not all of them, I know, go through uh, recruiters. And you often, I know some of those bigger companies as well that you may aspire to work with, do the online recruitment And sometimes Mm -hmm. you think I've got all of the skills that they're looking for, but then I get bumped out and I get the the plain standard rejection email. How can we get around some of those big online uh, systems? Yeah. So your resume template comes into play. So most companies that use ATS are more government. So like nursing graduates, councils, health, those sort of um, those sort of companies when you're talking about recruitment agencies not too much but it is however slowly becoming the norm from a recruiter's perspective I remember you know a couple of years ago when I was working with a firm that had an ATS it was great from our perspective because we're not spending hours upon hours reviewing resumes like this applicant tracking system does it for us so from a recruiter's perspective it's great not so much from a candidate especially if you don't have much knowledge of what what they're looking for. So with your template, if you are going to be applying through ATS, I would definitely more so go more down the traditional, so the black and white sort of traditional style resume template. You can put a splash of colour here and there, obviously, in order to stand out. Graphically created resumes, some ATS they have no issue with, But if the company is using an older style ATS software, some of them like it can look all jumbled and the ATS can't pull apart keywords. So the template's really important. And again, going back to tailoring the resume. So it could be as simple as you are applying for a project manager position and you've got project um, or product, sorry, you're applying for a project manager position and you've got product manager on your resume. So that probably they've probably put in the ATS that they're looking for someone as a project manager. So just literally re reassembling your resume and re editing a couple of words here and there and definitely tailoring it. That is really what's going to get you put forward. Try to steer away from graphics and try to steer away from like dot points and things. There's a few things. I do have an ATS um, checklist on my website, which you are more than welcome to, to view. That would hopefully help you guys. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I know there's a lot that can go into resume writing and career coaching. Are there any other mm-hmm. tips and tricks that we haven't yet covered that you'd like to give? Um, I don't think we've covered much on interviews. So I'll just give a couple that I've noted here. So I think with an interview, it's really important to, I guess, radiate confidence and positivity. Like that energy is throughout the room. They can pick up on nerves. Recruiters have a way of reading people, right? They've been doing this for quite some time. So a way that you can do that is preparing yourself. So the morning or trying to relax as much as possible the day of the interview simple things like calling a friend, uh, someone that's going to be upbeat and, you know, provide you with 
positivity. It could be something like reading affirmations, whatever you're into. It could also be, you know, just listening to an, um, a song that's going to get you pumped up on the way to the interview. So you're going to walk in those doors being the best version of yourself possible. I would also recommend to switch your phone off. There is nothing more rude than somebody answering their phone in the middle of an interview even in the reception area you're not wanting to be distracted and you're not wanting the first impression of you being on your mobile phone when they go out to introduce themselves and just you know having that eye contact with them and doing your research so again you did mention that the interview it's not just about them determining if you are the right person. It's also about you determining if this is the right fit for you. So coming in with your questions and asking them questions as well, because recruiters love to be asked. We love to know that you actually want to work for us. That's the type of person that we're wanting to recruit. And I think it's also about building up that rapport during the interview that I know Mm. that when I've interviewed candidates, you ask them all the standard behavioral questions and then the technical questions. And then when it comes to the end, that's really where you're starting to build rapport with a candidate. And you can know very quickly if you're going to get along or not. And as what you said, Mm. it's about that cultural fit. And I always get disappointed when you say, do you have any questions? They're like, no, I'm thinking, just come up with of something. Of course you do. <laughs> um, just, you know, and I know how to be like, well, ask them, I'd love someone to say to me, what's it like to work here and why do you work here? Yeah. Or, what do you love the most about working here or exactly. anything like that? Anything um, to also really build up that rapport because as you were saying, it's about being a standout candidate and if you're Mm. then reviewing five interviewees of saying what are they all like and if you've got then a memorable candidate you're probably more likely to hire that person also because you're building up that rapport and hopefully they've also then got the technical part uh, of it as well. And I think it's important to follow up on interviews and applications. I know that a lot of people candidates just tend to do the interview and just hope that they're going to get a call But, you know, if you're, you know, a lot of internal HR teams and agencies, they've got, you know, eight or nine jobs on the go. So giving them a call so then you're sort of forefront in their mind when they are making those decisions is really important as well. And also how much, how important is what you wear to an interview? Yes, it is very important. Um, I've had people walk in wearing thongs and tracksuit pants before, which obviously they uh, didn't get the job. (laughs) Uh, You're wanting to, again, like put forward the best version of yourself and it's better to be overdressed than underdressed. And again, it comes down to research. So researching that company, are they more conservative, professional based? Is it best to suit up or, you know, can you get away with, you know, black tight jeans and a nice blouse either way you're wanting to look smart casual or suited up and more professional really fit in with that culture is what you were saying yeah Yeah. and I know we talked about this earlier but how much do you reckon it is a cultural fit versus the technical skills I think these days it's becoming more important to be honest I don't know how much more important I can't give an actual figure or stat but from like I stay connected with a lot of um, the people that I have gained relationships with in HR and it costs employers a lot of money if they hire the wrong person because they're going to have to train that a new person they're going to have to do advertising recruitment start it all again so for them 
cultural fit is really, really important. They're obviously wanting that person long term. They're not wanting to invest in a lot of time and money and then have to, you know, rehire in the months to come. So again, if you don't fit the whole criteria, I still would recommend applying anyway. Yeah, give it a go because you never know. Yeah. I think that's also for the conservative and even my husband's a little bit conservative. I'm like, just give it a go. Just back yourself because what have you got yeah. to lose? I always have the uh, the mentality, What's I think the three little letters of yes is a lot easier than no. And yeah. what have you got to lose? If someone says no, you're like, okay, move on to the next one. Uh, but yeah. I think you've got to be in it to win it. Exactly. Just finally, in this competitive market, is there any other tips and tricks? Because I, I think I heard the other day there's over a million Australians uh, unemployed. Mm. And I think sadly that number, thanks to COVID and delightful Rona, uh, will sadly increase uh, in the coming weeks and months uh, as JobKeeper starts to reduce. Yes. What can we do as candidates? Um, and maybe we are redundant and looking for jobs at the moment. Is it that we should be more active and more present on LinkedIn as the main job platform? And, it's, and LinkedIn, I know these days, I often tell people it's not necessarily jo- just about a job recruitment. It's also about positioning yourself as yes, a thought leader building your personal and building brand. your personal yeah. brand, in, particularly from a professional perspective online, isn't it? Mm. Well, LinkedIn is hugely beneficial in your job search. Um, Stats were, I think, 500 million active profiles. And you've got to think like a lot of those people that are active are senior HR managers, are hiring managers, are key decision makers. Um, So having a platform where you can actually view the hiring manager, send them a personalised message and build that relationship that way is hugely important. What you need to think is who are you wanting to work for and where are they going to be advertising? So not solely relying on Seek. Seek is very expensive. It was around $280 to $300 to post one job ad. So if you're targeting smaller or medium organisations, they're probably going to move away from Seek. Uh, They're probably going to be advertising, you know, even like Facebook jobs boards, even Jora jobs, Indeed, where they're free platforms. And again, with the niche specialised job platforms such as, you know, Working Parents Connect and Work 180 and Flex Careers as they're quite cost effective from an employer's perspective. Thinking outside of the box, so not just solely relying on that one platform, going out handing out your resumes, that face-to-face value is really important. Again, it can sort of leave you sort of forefront in their mind when they're making those hiring decisions. And also following up on applications, um, yeah, just really thinking outside of the box and being different to everybody else. Yeah. And look, this is actually just something that's just popped into my head. So apologies, yeah. but I only just saw it because I thought about it because someone else, um, I saw it a couple of weeks ago. If there's a job or career, I'd say an industry that you're not in at the moment, but you're thinking about how much use do you think it is to reach out a little bit cold to someone that may be doing that role to find out about it and ask them all the questions to actually then see if it's a bit of a fit. Yeah, absolutely. And you can do that through LinkedIn. That's, yeah, that is a great thing. What I want to quickly mention as well, which I haven't, is personal network. A lot of people tend to steer away from personal network. People actually like to help people, especially your friends and, you know, 
second or third connections and mutual friends. So putting up a status on your Facebook, letting people know that, you know, you've been made redundant, you're actively looking for work. Uh, There's been so many stories where, you know, mums have had conversations, everyday conversations with their kinder mums or their school mums, and they've actually landed an interview and bypassed the whole lengthy recruitment process just by doing that. So that's, you know, another another tip for you as well. But yeah, definitely reaching out. I think what you can be doing, especially in the uncertainty that we're in at the moment, is really questioning like where are the where which industries are experiencing growth at the moment? What are employment opportunities going to look like post COVID nineteen? I had, for an example, a woman recently that has been made redundant due to she was working for, I think, Virgin, so travel and tourism. So she has a lot of transferable skills into admin and customer service because she's done all of that. So we actually landed her job in a corporate administration role because we were able to articulate her transferable skills effectively on her resume. So again, not to say that a resume is the most, you know, it is a very underrated document, um, but it is one of the most important documents you will own. So, you know, you can't afford to make mistakes and you do need to make sure that it sells yourself in the, the best possible way. And also people may think that seeing someone such as yourself may cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, like well, mm. thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually looking on your website last night and I have to say you've got very affordable yeah. um, um, skills and services that people can tap into. Um, yeah. And as what you said, you've even got a free resume writing, uh, like a, a review process review. as well. Yeah. So I definitely say if you're in the process at the moment, I think Ashley's got what it's a, for your, even your entry 100. level, it's a hundred dollars. Um, I do like graduate, which is 99, but it's mm. 179 for a resume and cover letter. So that's both the word and PDF format. And you're also given a get job, get job ready e-guide, which is tailored, um, around working mothers that are returning to work. Yeah. What I, I guess my target audience, I needed to put that into perspective when creating, you know, these packages because a lot of people are unemployed. So I know that there is, you know, companies out there that do, charge x amount and i just wanted to make it accessible and affordable for everyone you know i do have the resume review which is quite costly and i've actually pre-launched as of today which will be available from the 8th of september back to work bundle so it's kind of like a do-it-yourself you're given a resume and cover letter template a linkedin workshop that i did a couple of months ago and also like video tutorials and that's $66, which is, you know, amazing. really cost effective. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be available in the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Look, mamas highly recommend jumping on that. Also, Ashley is just lovely to work with. I did an online program with her a couple, yes. of, weeks, a couple of months ago where we were actually supporting Love a variety that. of different women across a variety of different topics. Um, she did this over a weekend. So Ashley's very much all about serving women and really supporting them. Uh, and that's why it's been so much fun to speak with you today, Ashley, because we are Thank both so very much. much passionate about support yes. working mums in a variety of mm-hmm. different ways. So if you are interested in, in having that career change conversation, getting your resume touched up, highly recommend reaching out to Ashley. And Ashley, uh, how can people find out about you? 
So you can view my website, um, www.ashleythomas.com.au or my social media, Facebook, um, facebook.com forward slash employment. And just quickly, one question I do ask everyone that I have on the podcast, yes. how do you fill your cup? Um, I allow basically an hour to myself every day. So whether that be a walk, um, a phone call with a friend, a, a bath, whatever I'm feeling in that moment. Um, but I think it's really just important to surrender what you need for that day. Yeah. Oh, what great advice. And it's so lucky mm-hmm. to have an hour as well. That's amazing. Congratulations. My partner's pretty supportive. <laughs> <laughs> and with two boys, I could imagine you definitely need some of that downtime yes, as well. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, I just want to say thank you so much for that today. I know that I've learned thank a you. lot and I know that this will help a lot of people that maybe in the job hunt or even as working mum or even mums are coming back into work after mat leave. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and best wishes for the future. Thank you. Thanks, Karina. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and enjoying the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.